Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello, internets. My name is Walter Sadie Svedchuk, and I am your Guess the Lines World Heavyweight Champion, and welcome to our 2017 EU LCS Summer Split week for guess the lines but not the lines edition of the rough drafts guess the line podcast yeah that is a mouthful of an introduction uh yes once again we are recording and unicorn unfortunately doesn't have the lines up uh, at the time of recording but that's fine we're gonna get all the dirty gritty numbers based analysis out of the way and then we'll have a just lines episode that'll come out Later today, tomorrow, before the games start, uh, where we'll actually, you know, break down our, our smart money picks and all that jazz. But this means we get another episode where we can deep dive into the analysis and pull a whole bunch of numbers out of our butts that probably don't mean anything, but Chase is going to say that they're important anyways. So, as by Chase, I, of course, mean my wonderful co-host and friend, Chase Redshirt King Wassener. Chase, what interesting statistics do you have for us today? Well, I mean, 72.6% of statistics are made up, but the ones that I bring up are, are the realest facts. They're, they're the most factiest of facts. And they're ones that, uh, look, I, I love the numbers for a reason. I, I think numbers solidify the stories that we're seeing. And what we're seeing now that we have a nice sample size is that there are clear trends that we can point to, things that we can say that are going really, really badly, things that we can say are going really, really well, all of the in-between. It, it's much more clear and obvious now what we're talking about, which is why I was able to write articles for LCS Predict that should hopefully be out by the time that you're watch, uh, watching or listening to this. So, you know, it, it's been fun to kind of take that deep dive and to kind of process my thoughts on, on what the numbers are telling us and match that with what we saw last week, because last week... I think we have we have established some tiers now within the European region. We have our tier one, we have our tier two, and and then there's kind of everybody else. And it's really interesting to see how that shake up because I don't know that we would have predicted these tiers heading into the season. At least one example, I think, clearly, we would not have predicted at the beginning of the season. So it's going to be fun to talk about. Kind of interesting. What way you thinking with that? It's like one of two teams that I think you're like, you're like pushing one way or the other. I think I'm higher on a certain team than you necessarily are, and the stats might necessarily be. But with that being said, we're gonna start out this show like we all start out all of our shows now with our up and our down from the week in the European LCS. So Chase, who was your up after week four, and why was it the Unicorns of Love? Man, see, this is the worst part because Unicorns of Love are my runner-up to be the ups, and we know that that's going to feel like a slight to the Unicorns of Love. I they swear to God, if you say Fnatic, I'm walking off the of side. Of course it's I don't Fnatic. want to hear about Fnatic again. Of course again. it's Fnatic. I, look, let me give you some numbers, man, because we really got to put some perspective on how good they've looked right now. Their kill-death ratio right now is 2.18. That's twice as good as as literally anyone else in this league. It's absurd. 240 kills to 111 to 110 deaths. How does this happen? How is this a team that exists? Their early game rating is 63.3. How? How? How are they? Their first three towers, they're first in the league. Their dragon control is first in the league. Their baron control is first in the league. Every single meaningful stat that you want a team to be good at 
Fnatic's good at. They're doing everything right. I, I honestly, this is the best this team has looked since the 2015 summer season, where Huni and Rainover led that team to an undefeated season. That's that has been the level of consistent performance, with one obviously notable exception, and we can all admit Rocket shouldn't have won that series. And yes, we have to take into account the Fnatic blew it, but. I think it is fair to say that there were outside factors, the, the tilt that comes from a loss as tough as that one, uh, that came into place. If you take away that series, they're 10-1 and one on the season, which include victories over G2, over Misfits, and now over H2K. That is a nice resume to build up. And to do it as decisively as they have, as definitively as they have, you know, like there's no asterisk I can put on them. I can't even say something like, "Oh yeah, well, Brox's pathing hasn't been, you know, as, as good as we might expect." Broxa right now is putting up the best jungle numbers in, in Europe. He's got a 10.9 KDA. What? What is this? What? So, so, so here's here, here's the no, here's the knock I want to put on them. Okay. Everything sure. is going great for them because they are forcing every team to play their way of League of Legends. This isn't a knock. Like I say, this is a knock, and you're going, "What do you mean that?" Here's the thing. Teams are not going to ban Kennen against them. They're not really going to pick Kennen against them because everyone is terrible at top lane Kennen. So Reckless has a free Kennen. Look at how many times he's been allowed to play, play Kennen. Look at when in the playoffs when they went on that run and they run on the run towards the end of the split. We were joking about like, oh, he's playing Kennen. Oh, he's playing other champions that lets him build the same three items. Like they have found their play style and they are honing it and they are just playing through it. And I'm curious... At what happens when that play style either becomes uh, inert because of a meta shift, because of champion pools changing, because of nerfs here, there, and the other plays? Granted, we're now seeing on 7.13, NAR buffs. Guess what Soaz's second best champion besides Gangplank is? It's freaking NAR. Like, yeah. wonderful. Let's just give them another weapon that they can use. It's sort of like the Golden State Warriors purchasing a, a top-tier second-round draft pick from the Chicago Bulls in the past draft. Why are you giving the best team more weapons? That's not supposed to happen. But I am curious what happens when they aren't allowed to play their style. What happens when someone is able to exert their will on them? Like Rockat kind of did in game three of that series. We joke about Rockat not really deserving to win that, but they came from behind. Fnatic blew game two. But Fnatic didn't blow game three. That was Rockat winning game three. That Maybe was it tilt. wasn't decisive. That was but, you know, and, and I'm, to I'm be fair. the Bill Barnwell theory here of momentum doesn't exist. That's where I'm Look, going with this argument. Tilt is not an excuse, to be clear. Uh, to be very clear... That is a problem that they that they had, and they they need to do a better job of that um, moving forward. I think they will learn from that experience. But he, here's all you need to know, Walter. Um, Reckless, with everything that we could say about him, and and the guy, by the way, and I, I swear this is true, seventy six eight and seventy seven on the season for a nineteen point one KDA. Just want to point that out there. That's just a number that literally exists. But you know what? He's not doing the most damage on this team. You know who's carrying the team in team fights? It's Caps. Caps, Caps has been amazing. Damage per minute. Guys, absurd. Like, this is the thing. At every position right now, this is the best OS has looked in, in, in two years, I think, in, in yep. my humble opinion. Uh, Broxa looks like he is developing quite nicely. Yes. Caps is playing out of his yep. mind. Reckless is playing yep. even better than he did last split, where I thought he was arguably the second best player in, in Europe. Yeah. And, and, like, and Jezus isn't a paperweight. Like that's the and thing. Jezus like, is not a paperweight. This isn't a this isn't a team where like you know we look at Unicorn's Love and Hillsong fell off at the end of last split and he we jokingly yeah. they were kind of pulling his dead carcass along. Like no, like every player on this team is pulling their weight. Uh, obviously the Unicorns of Love are are my my up for the week, but great team. Other uh, before I get to why, which is going to be one sentence, Chase. Mm -hmm. There are two teams. In four out of the four, uh, four out of the five major regions, because LPL stats are nearly impossible to get, yes. according to Oracle's Elixir, that have a 60-plus early game rating. Okay. Fnatic is one. Who is the second? Well, I know it's not anyone in North America because I did that article today, and the highest early game rating is not in North America. No, it's not. So it's. I mean, I, th this is where my, my knowledge of, of Korea is going to come back to haunt me, but I'm going to say K2 Rolster. You are correct, and they're nice. still lower than Fnatic. They're at 62.1. Okay, good. Okay. 62.1 early game rating. Fnatic has a better early game rating 
than KT Rolster, but that doesn't matter because Fnatic, uh, because uh, SKT has like a 70% late game rating or something like ridiculously absurd. Yeah, no, so is. yeah, we're, we're all going to lose to SKT at the end of the day. Nothing matters. Death taxes <laughs> and SKT getting more more uh, more champion skins yeah, but yeah. we'll save that for the nihilism podcast well <laughs> you're talking to a fed check we're all nihilism over here uh, that's fair <laughs> but that being said unicorns yeah. of love are my up for the week uh because they finally beat g2 yes i think that's something we're celebrating and i'm very proud of them i'm very proud of the the ownership yos sheepy the coach roman uh romaine how his name is actually pronounced and all the players really proud of you guys I wish you had lost this series so then you could have beaten them in the playoffs and it really would have uh, really been something special because that's how WWE script writers would have written it and that's how I would have written it. But congratulations on the victory. You guys deserved it. Uh, now knock off Fnatic. Please, for the love of God, knock off Fnatic. I don't want to hear about Fnatic anymore. I'm, I'm actually kind of, of sick of it. And Chase, uh. I'm sort of sick of talking about downs because I feel like the same teams just repeatedly show up on our downs. No, this one's a new for me, at least. But this one might be new for me, too. Uh, who is your down for the week? Hey, get over here, G2. Oh. I, got some, I got some words to have with you. Oh. My, my young buck over here. I wrote an entire article about this. Uh, that'll come up with Unicorn sometime this week if it's not out yet. Uh, I thought their pick and ban and their draft philosophy against the Unicorns of Love was atrocious. Uh, I, I think that there are very easy mistakes that we can notice right away. Uh, in game one, uh, picking Kennen in the second rotation when you already have the Caitlyn, and then going Lucian Lee Sin, so the Kennen had to go AP, which makes no sense, and they still didn't have very much mixed damage, and everything fell apart. Like, that we should have known. But in general, the philosophy they had seemed to stem from this idea that, look, if we can win the early game because we think we're better, we can snowball the game and we'll be fine. So we don't need to draft the hard CC and the hard disengage that has allowed us to beat Unicorns of Love all these other times we've played them. And I know someone's going to say, hey, but they probably they just left it through because they want to prove that they can beat the best teams by giving them their pocket picks. Well, number one, if that was true, why was Warwick banned throughout this entire series? You don't ban Warwick if you want to play Unicorns of Love at their best because you know that's something they can do. Number two, that'd be pretty stupid because they're now two and three this year and last season three losses was not enough to be the top team in either group so it's very possible they need help now at this point in the season if they're going to be the top team in group a they're very likely going to be playing in the quarterfinals right now unless some crazy things happen with Fnatic along the way it's no longer in their control and that alone is a huge deal in this regard and i, I mean i think the the biggest problem that you have to point to as to why they had to draft these kind of compositions, why they had to to play around these kind of weird picks, why they had to take the Nidalee in game one, why they had, I mean, in game three, excuse me, why they had to take the Lee Sin in game one. Trick looks bad. Just straight up, he looks uncomfortable in this meta. He has three picks that were very easily banned out. And I, if I'm going to give Unicorns of Love one big credit here, I thought Sheepy's draft strategy in the whole series was amazing. They, he focused down on Trick's champions and said, okay, Trick, what else you got? Because we have Xerxes. Xerxes can go five deep. Xerxes can go ten deep. He's going to be fine. What do you have? And G2's answer was, uh, we don't. So that's how this series is going to go. And, of course, the fact that they would had to prioritize those things, they didn't have the hard CC because he couldn't play the champions that would have enabled them to do that. Well, guess what? Unicorns of Love got to skirmish and play their game the whole series, and as soon as they got a single fight that went their way in either one of those games, it was over. They, they G, G2 had no comeback mechanic. And to me, that's unacceptable on another level. It's unacceptable that Trick is, is playing as poorly as he is. Uh, their map control in general has fallen off significantly. That jungle control percentage is now below 50%, which is unheard of. For G2, I think this is the first time in a long time that that's happened. Uh, I thought in general the idea that, oh, we're just going to be able to snowball against Unicorns of Love, I don't know if they were cocky or if they were just scared of having to play outside of their comfort zone, but whatever reason they did it, it was the wrong call, and I, I thought that that was the first time where I really saw Young Buck just get straight up outcoached. Just outcoached, outdrafted. Uh, you know, Unicorns of Love had a better in-game and out-of-game strategy across the board. Um, 
And that's not what I want to see from a three-time defending champions. I, like, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm holding you to a higher standard. You have created the standard by which we judge all European teams. You can't play this way. And yeah, we're like, last week I was out here saying like, look, they're two and two. It's early enough on. They're gonna catch back up. I don't know. Like, you're you're too good to lose to any of the bad teams. But your chance to actually be threatened and push yourself against these better teams. Yeah, you know, th this was a chance. They're going to beat the worst teams because they're just more talented. This yes. is to the point where now G2 has G2 has been able to adapt. They've been able to change styles. They used to be, you know, the first two, two uh, championships, they were the early game team. It was hyper-aggressive in the early game, you know, setting up their rotations and their mid lane, uh, mid game plays weren't great, but because they were able to exert such control on the map early on, they built these massive leads, and they were a better mid to late game team than someone like TSM, where it was sort of the same play style. But they also could play a ton of different champions inside that. They could play more passive laning champions. They could play hard lane push type champions and really open the thing, you know, open up the map for Trick. And then in the spring, they totally did a 180, said, well, the early game didn't work for us because the meta and the game shifted. Well, now let's shift with it. Let's let's go to this late game. Let's go to the first 20 minutes, don't matter. If you could win 25 to 45 minutes, you know, the Weldon meme, whatever. Well, guess what? It shifted back here, guys. Like, League is not this stagnant game where you can sit on your laurels and be like, oh, this is the only play style we play. I'm excluding Fnatic because Kennen is just Kennen. And I have a point about Kennen. That being said, like you have to be able to move with the tide, move with the ebb and flow of the game and the strategy and all that. And when everyone else is playing all of these lane push sort of champions, this lane push style, G2 is like, eh, we're gonna sit back on our laurels and just, you know, play for 35 minutes like we always do. Guys, you look at the average game time for most of these teams, everybody but Fnatic and Ninjas in Pajamas are at 35 minutes or less. Yeah. Add Rocket in, they're at 35 minutes, and you're down at 34 and a half for Misfits, 34.3 for yourself. Unicorns of Love are playing at 30 and a half, period. 30 minute games. And you're still not even halfway through if you're like, you win 25 to 45 meta. I, like, look, and, and here's the thing, right? We, game two, which was the best that they looked, and they did get the snowball because. Uh, Exile just decided to int in the early game, and I, I think that game is why I wasn't able to make Unicorns of Love quite my up, because they do have those little flaws that they do need to clean up right here. But, I mean, look, uh, when they, they get the hyperscaling, they were able to win that game in 27 minutes. They looked great in that game. That looks like a G2 team that can win the series, but the problem is not like, oh, well, they lost the series, so therefore everything is bad. If they had won game three, they would still be my down for the week because the theory that got them to that point was wrong. Their, their out-of-game preparation, the uh, poor vision control, poor jungle control, just you can't play that way and expect to be one of the best teams in the world. And that's the, that's the bar now, right? They got second in MSI. That's the bar. That is the bar Europeans have always held them to. And right now, they look unfocused. They look unrefined. I don't know if they're just checked out or if they just haven't come back and adjusted to the midseason update as it is, but like this is being really good at the game is not enough, guys. You cannot just sit back and say, oh, but the regular season doesn't matter, so it's fine. You've only got 13 games. Right now, I, I, you're the fifth team in the league, according to the LCS Predict Gold Edge rating. You're fifth right now. G2 Esports is fifth. That is something, this is the first time in your history as an organization in the LCS that you have a losing record. Literally the very first time. And and that... CLG! Look. CLG! Look, that's... I'm not, I'm not willing to go that far yet, because I know they're better than this, I know they're smarter than this, but damn, it just, it felt like they didn't care. Chase, it felt like, we said these same exact things about CLG last summer. Said the same exact things. This is the same path that they took. G2 was a laughing stock in Europe for you know being unable to uh, even qualify for the LCS. You you wrote the history. You wrote a history piece about this. Yeah, but... You should be able to see the parallels now here to G to, to CLG. Granted, Ocelot different rosters is the thing. Different though. rosters, but just that, look at that the is pattern. a huge difference. 
Just look at the pattern. That's all I'm saying. Super high at MSI, and then CLG fell off the fell off the wagon and barely were able to to get through the LCS playoffs of the summer. True. Went to Worlds and got stopped after four months prior. We're neck and neck with SKT. Go uh, go look up how uh, how the flash rules are doing in Taiwan, folks. If you're interested. Uh, go look at how World Elite's doing in China yeah. right now. Go look at the fact SKT had a couple weird losses at the beginning of this season. Like, That's SKT being SKT. I mean, sure, but <laughs> like, it is. There, there is something to be said about this, right? We're, we're at the point now where there's there's something to be said about just being able to come back and, and, and get used to it. But we're a week four, guys. Like, the first couple weeks, I get it. I get wanting to give a trick and, and expect a break. I get it. Um... It, it's we're about to head into week five. You've got a Rift Rivals tournament coming up in in less than two weeks. <laughs> do, do you do you really? I mean, you know what the story is going to be if you don't do well, right, guys? Like you know, you know what the story is going to be on social media. You know what the memes are going to be. You, I just want I just want to make sure you're aware. I just want to make sure that that you're aware of how this goes. I spent a lot. Of, I was mad. I'm mad with G2 right now. I that, really. That, that's fine. You know this what? This is some genuine. Uh, I, genuine I didn't really have it down for the week because I'm sick of talking about the teams that are bad. So I, I just, I totally forgot that Oracle's Elixir had champion stats. That he compiled everything internationally in champion stats. So Chase, Kennen, top lane Kennen. There have been 12 top laners that have played at, been played at least 10 times in the top lane internationally. Where do you think Kennen top lane is on that list? I'm going to guess 12, isn't it? <laughs> it's 11. Oh, it's with 11. With a 40% win rate. Uh, the 12th champion is Jace, who has been played 27 times. He has a 37% uh, win rate. The uh, 10th champion is Fiora. And she's at 46.7. So six and a half percentage points, basically, better than Kennen if you pick Fiora. Uh, Fiora. And Fiora is like the ultimate, like, bang or bust kind of champion. And Kennen is last out of the uh, seven champions on this list that have been played at least 50 times. Last. 40% yeah. win rate. Top lane Kennen's not good. Can we stop playing this? It's, it's actively not good. It's not great. I understand the theory, and I understand why people are doing it, but the problem is that you have to hedge your bets too much. Either you hedge and go full-on attack damage, and then you're not really getting much out of your ultimate, or you try to build some AP in there, and then suddenly your your ability to take down towers and really split push effectively is nowhere near as valuable. You can't have both. And, if, and there are so many champions that could do either one of those tasks better, so trying to hedge your bet... Instead of just, if you want the AoE guys, Gragas exists. If you want the split pushing, Fiora and Camille exist. Hell, like Camille is the thing that I'm not, I'm surprised isn't coming up a little bit more often. It's starting to see a little bit more play now. I think it will continue to see more play. I, I think that at some point you just have to realize that Kennen is a pick that is very difficult to play well. And the upside is basically reliant on whether you think you can actually get any flex value out of it. And by the way, I don't think we want to look at the Kennedy AD carry stats outside of Rivals. <laughs> I don't think that's something that people want us to do. So, yeah, I'm that I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Kennen AD carry internationally, uh, and this means all the all the regions that that uh, uh, Tim has statistics for. So I think it's the four four out of five major power regions. Uh, 16 games played, 62.5% win rate. I'm pretty sure 15 of those are, are reckless. I'm so. almost positive that's the case. <laughs> that being said, uh, yeah, ups and downs. Yep, ups. I can, I can agree with both of them. I, I get where you're coming from with, with Fnatic. I'm just sick of hearing it. That's all I have to say. Uh, moving on, the games this week. Damn, they, they start out with a banger of a game. Ninjas oh, yeah. in pajamas versus mysterious monkeys. One of these teams is gonna win this series. I, I, I can't, I can't really be arsed. I can't chase. Why should I care about this series? Um, well, uh, as someone pointed out on Reddit, it is the first time that two teams that have not won a map have met in competitive play. Uh, the, uh, this would late into the season. They're both 0 and 10 in individual maps. 0 and 5 overall, obviously. Um, 
here's here's something that's just again crunching the numbers for LCS predict. You come up with a lot of fun things. Um, what do you think is the kill death ratio for the mysterious monkeys without looking? Kill death ratio? Yeah, obviously they've died more times than they've been killed, so it's going to be a zero point something. But where do you think it is? Zero point four. Zero point. Okay, so first, let's be clear. Zero point four would be the lowest in like EU LCS history if oh. it were to bear out. It is zero point four four. So, unfortunately, you were correct, which undermines how crazy that is. They have died. I, 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 I kid you not. The the death counts for them. They have died 192 times with only 84 kills. Ninjas and Pajamas, by the way, 172 deaths versus 82 kills for a 0.48 KDA. Hey, These teams are bad. That's not even the most. That's not even the most death deaths in the league. Yeah, no, oh but I mean, God. but but remember, uh, Rockets played four more games, so per game is actually oh, Ninjas and Pajamas and that's Mysterious fair. Monkeys are worse. I, I know okay. where you were going there, and that is a problem, but we'll get there later. Right. Um, I thought it was still a best of two series for some reason. That was still stuck in my head for a moment. Uh, no, man, that 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 hell is is over. We we're free now. Thank we're you. free. Thank you. Uh, these teams are really bad, uh, and and it's one of those things where I I realized last week when I was watching the Mysterious Monkeys how much I'm gonna miss Llama Bear because Llama Bear was the most exciting part of that team, and now he's gone. He he was by far the most consistent player that they had, and and Kickus is good. Uh, didn't really get a chance to show it this week. I, I think he was. Uh, I think he did. I think he showed us exactly what Kickus was supposed to do, and Kickus is going like, "All right, I can't win with the rest of these nonces. I'm just gonna split push." He played Aatrons. He went 1.3 with the KDA. He had 58% kill participation. This is terrible. He went 4, 11, and 10 on the week. You can't play that way. I don't look, care. Look, compare that I saw to what Aatrox he was doing in the challenger seat. I mean, look. Congratulations. I hope you're happy. I want to see good games. I want to see a team get better. And it, he was not an improvement. Well, okay, that's not true. He was an improvement. Jisoo was that awful. But that is not the player that I was expecting him to be. And to be fair, hasn't had a lot of time with the team yet. And this is something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn people away from in the same way that I warn people away from judging Inori too harshly for his poor game on, on Liquid. When you have less than a week to practice with your team, it's not going to look great. This is true. Um, especially when you have the jungle position. That's one that really needs to, to integrate well. So I don't want to judge Amazing too harshly. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure I see where the upside is on this team anymore. Um, I, I think that this team is just I, I don't think Koski is good. I, I think that we have enough evidence to suggest that. I don't think Dreams is very good. I think he has a couple champions, but he's very limited. Uh, when you ban out his Thresh, he has huge problems. Uh, I think that Yuki is getting figured out. Uh, teams are giving him more attention now, and his numbers have dropped off dramatically since. And the only thing that is in their favor is the fact that they're at least more interesting to me than the ninjas and pajamas have become because the ninjas and pajamas are also really bad. I they don't have a single player that is as bad as someone like Jisoo was. Jisoo literally is going to end his LCS career with a 0.8 KDA. Can, can I just say we were talking in a Discord with people last night? Uh, I was, and we were talking about the Battle for the Atlantic and how much we miss it because we're mm -hmm. Eyeballs is just like a worse version of the Battle of the Atlantic. So we were joking about, like, oh, yeah, it'd be, like, Mysterious Monkeys versus the team that shall not be mentioned on this podcast. Mm. And uh, and someone, and I won't name names because I don't want to embarrass, don't want them to embarrass them, I don't want hate mail or whatever, said that Mysterious Monkeys, even with Jisoo, were better than the team that shall not be mentioned on this podcast. Uh, you know? I just find it funny. It's it's not out of play. The, the team that shall not be named, how do they deal with Kickers if he actually pops off? But like, like, we're, the moral of the story here is, um, you know who the best player on the Rift is by numbers? If you had to take a guess, who who has the best KDA among both of these rosters? Uh, Just and best KDA and also the best kill participation for it. So, so he's it's, it's gonna end everything. up being it's gonna end up being Nagne, but I want to say Yuki, Hikyu, Hikyu with a two point six KDA, is currently the best player. In this series, he is actually winning his lane. To be fair to Hiku, he's winning lane uh, 114. Chase, I asked you, I asked you to tell me why I should care about this series. That <laughs> Hiku's the best player in this, and shutting it off right now. I'm gonna go do literally anything else. How could you not love it? 
anything is possible because nothing is possible. These teams are bad. Profit, who I've been defending for a long time, like, he can't do anything other than split push. Or at least he chooses not to, which tells me he has no faith in his teammates whatsoever. And I'm not sure I blame him. I. This is going to be fun, man. This is going to be fun in the same way that I enjoy watching Space Chimps 2 or Birdemic or Hamlet the Vampire Slayer. All of those are real movies, by the way. Uh, Birdemic, you probably knew, but the other two are absolutely real movies. No, I know all of them because you mention them literally anytime something is awful, but you like to watch it. I, look, man, one day I'm going to get you to watch Hamlet the Vampire Slayer. And to it's put going this to in be... the terms that normal people understand, this is like, he's going to enjoy this like everyone enjoyed watching Spider-Man 3. Oh. I, underrated film. I think it's gone too far in the other direction. I, I, emo Toby McGuire. That's all I have to say. That's all I have a, to say. It's a silly scene. No, I think no, the no, no. That's all I have to say. It's not better than people say. It's that bad. We're moving on. We'll move on. Let's talk about a good League of Legends team. Uh, we already sure. talked about Fnatic quite a bit. Yeah. So Chase, let's talk about Splice because Splice has made this kind of like little bit of a run here in the last couple weeks. It's been kind of fun to watch. And I know last week we brought up that we wanted to see if Senkux and the roster would stick with what was working and kind of push forward with it. Did they do that this week? Yeah, I, I think Splice looked overall uh, quite nice this week. I, I think that um, what, what we saw from game one uh, was the downside of, of Splice. I, I think they fell behind early. I think Trashy's Rek'Sai was not good. But we know Trashy doesn't play champions like Rek'Sai very well. He built it like it was pre-rework Rek'Sai. Like, he really just wanted to play tank, and you can't do that anymore. And as soon as he realized that that wasn't going to work, they audibled. Um, and, and we got to see the part of this team that I like. Wonder is really good. Wonder is really good at League of Legends, and I love seeing him do things. And in game two, he has that play where he, uh, he grabs the first tower, teleports bot, and then wins a team fight for them in a span of like 30 seconds. It was an amazing sequence. The guy just had a great mind for it. And, and the thing that I, I love almost as much as I love Wonder's ultimates, or, and, and potentially it, it's neck and neck, Senkux is really good at champions with high mobility. It's happening, guys. Sentencux looks like a top-tier LCS mid laner whenever he's given something that has dashes, that has split pushing. His Lucian looked great. His Lucian looked great, and to be his... fair, to just time out on that, his Talia ha has not. His Talia yeah. has not looked very good. Sure, it's, it's I... been like a mixed bag. Like he has some good moments, he has some bad moments on that, and that seems like that would be a champion he'd be really good at. I, I don't think his his Talia has been the best thing for him, but I think his Cassidy is great. I think the fact yeah. that we even have a Cassidy that we're talking about it makes him kind of fun to watch. Also I, I think that his Corky was solid. His Lucian's great. Cor I think Corky's his Ari is back. great. He played an Aurelian Soul just a couple weeks ago that was one of the best Aurelian Souls that I've seen in Europe. Like, the guy is really good at playing around the map effectively. Uh, and I, I just think that we're at this point now where Spice have finally said, look, you know what? We're going to open this up. We're going to try this new thing. Instead of having to wait for these team fights and playing on our heels, why don't we bring the fight to them with this map pressure? And then we could do all the disengage stuff that we're good at because they have to fight us or else they'll lose all these neutral objectives. And that has made Splice such a more interesting team to watch and such a better team to watch. Um, my, my one concern, obviously, is going to come down to Trashy. I, I think, still think that Trashy is not a top-tier jungler at this point. I think that he's fallen off pretty considerably, and, and I, I look at him as someone that teams are going to target. Teams that like to snowball with uh, with top-tier junglers are going to have uh, that ability to really pick on him, and that's something that I don't see necessarily changing in the near future. But everything else about this team looks awesome, to and be I'm fair, really enjoying it. The only time the Trashies looked very, very good is when the meta was just Rek'Sai and Gragas, and he could play tanks, and he was playing engage style uh, disruptive jungles, you know, kind of things. He doesn't look good on anything else. Uh, you brought up Llama Bear earlier. Llama Bear might be someone who could fit in with Splice because he can play those, oh, please. but he can also play some of the early game pressure type stuff. So he oh, might please. be an interesting addition there, uh, uh, Marty, if you're, if you're looking for maybe a replacement in the offseason. Um, that being said, 
any reason to think that Fnatic isn't going to take care of business here? I'm not saying a 2-0. I'm just saying Fnatic probably wins this series more times than not. More times than not, Fnatic wins this series. They're playing at a level that right now I think is very difficult for anyone to match up to. But I think Splice is going to keep this close. I think it's for sure a three-game series. Okay. I think that... Caps is somebody, you know, Caps is great and he has this great ability to flank around the map, but Senkux is able to match those beats right now. He is able to make the roams and make those kind of plays and, and, and get the same kind of playmaking potential going. I think Wonder can match up against Soaz quite nicely and maybe even win those matchups. And I think that, you know, both are really great at using their globals. And, you know, no one is as good as, as Reckless is playing right now, but Kabi's been very solid and Jin is back in the meta. And let's not forget that Kabi's Jin was one of the best parts of watching that summer team back in 2016. He's really good at the champion, and uh, and I think that he's going to be able to continue to excel at that, and Mickey is always going to be a playmaker. They're going to be in this series. It is going to be a closer series, I think, than most people realize. I don't think they're going to be able to come away with a victory, but I do think they're going to keep it close, and that alone is going to be something that I think it's going to give Splice fans some hope as they continue to improve. They're, they're, this is only the third week we're going to be seeing this almost new look Splice, this new strategy that they're putting into effect. They're going to continue to build out from this. And I think that um, a good showing here, even in a losing effort, would go a long way towards solidifying the team that they want to be going forward. I can absolutely agree with all of that. Uh, moving on. Uh, Misfits versus H2K. Because I don't want to talk about Rocket versus Vitality. Because oh, come on, do, do you want to talk about this series? What, 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 I really don't want to. This yeah, give me give me sixty I, seconds. I'm gonna give you sixty seconds, and then I'll make my one statement about it, and we'll move on to something more infinitely more exciting. I mean, look, Rocket is the worst decent team in Western scene right now. They have a zero point six seven uh, kill death ratio, which is really bad, but. They have taken a map off of every team that they've played so far, which is really good. Pride Stalker doesn't do anything in the early game, which is bad. But his Warwick was actually surprisingly solid, and I, when he has that early pressure, the whole team has managed to do a lot with it, which is good. This team has moments that, as a fan who loves this team, I'm really excited to see where it takes them in the long run. They're not going to be a playoff team this split. I don't think that it was reasonable to think they were going to be a playoff team this split. But they are keeping themselves competitive. They are keeping themselves a, a clearly a step above, I think, the three teams below them. I think that they are much better than anything we're seeing from Vitality, from Mysterious Monkeys, or from, uh, or, or from Ninjas of Pajamas in terms of team play. Uh, and their team fighting synergy is really good. Uh, unfortunately, they're usually behind too far for that to matter because their early game is atrocious. Oh. But they're a good team. And they're going to win some fights here that you don't expect. And I think that they can take a 2-0 over Vitality and really cement themselves as being a tier above that class of team. They're boring as all sin for 25 minutes. They are boring hey man. as all hell. Look, everyone has their flaws. You got to accept people for who they are. You got to love them for, for words and all, you know? And, uh... I'm not saying it's not a concern, but Except I am saying... Except Wadid. is entertaining. Oh, Wadid's awesome. Yeah, Wadid is amazing. I love at, Wadid. At the very least, even if you don't like watching everything else about Rocket, uh, watch Wadid, uh, especially on his Rakan. Super good. He just, he charms all the things he and he's constantly fighting. He just don't give no... He's from, you can tell he's from the school of League of Legends that Mach Noon created. Look, he's just I, like, I, I don't care. I'm going to go with. I, I've been saying this to, uh, to uh, UOL fans on our Discord, but... I want Unicorns of Love and Rocket to become best friends over the summer. Like, I want Hillisang and Wadid to hang out and talk about how they love to kill all of the things and, and trade secrets on how best to kill things more quickly and just become besties. And I want Betsy to learn how to do the late-game team fighting from Exile. And I want Pride Stalker to realize, like, hey, here's how you can use all these weird champion picks from Xerxes. I, I just want, like, the Unicorns of Love to take Rocket under their wing and say, here's how to League of Legends. And it's not going to happen. And then Harmon no and Samix are going to be there like, y'all remember season three and season four? And those were good times. <laughs> hey, man, Sivir was pretty fun, right? Like, the, yeah. The, I old, the old men on these rosters are like, oh, yeah, I remember the good old days. 
I'm just saying, man. I would I would absolutely watch every week Rock Hat and Unicorns of Love hanging out, make it a sitcom, make it like a real world style show where like the two teams have to compete in weird challenges that have nothing to do with League of Legends. Like they have to bake a cake and who can make the base, best cake in 30 minutes and just watch them do so. I would watch that. I feel like they'd get along. I feel like their their in-game philosophy is is similar except for the fact that Rock Hat is bad at it. I just you know what, man? I can dream. Let me dream. I think both of these organizations needed to have been relegated by now because they are just... It, you said <laughs> to be clear, it, you mean Vitality, right? I you're just talking about the Unicorns of Love. Just to be clear. I, yeah, I mean Vitality and Rocket, not not Rocket and Unicorns <sighs> of Love. I, and it's, I get it. I get it. Rocket looks like 20, 2018, 2018. 2018 will be the year. Chase, every year Rocket has existed in the LCS. It's bad. Well, next split is our split. We'll get it all figured out for next split. Oh, we get it figured out for next split. We'll get it figured out for next split. We'll get it figured out for next split. And next split. And next split. And hey. next split. And next they were split. And one series one. away from making worlds in 2014. And they said, and next split, we got this, guys. Next split, we're going to be champions. This is going to be but, great. And it all fell apart. There's a big difference between consistently fourth and relegation material. I want to see, like, Rock Not to Team back. Liquid fans. Boom! You know, I, it's hard because I want to give you props for that, but I also hate you for it, so I don't know how to react. Um, <laughs> I, I, That's an underrated yeah. subplot of Rocket, is they were always, almost like, always, like, poor. Yeah, let, let's move on, because this is going to hurt me the more I think about it. So let's just, let's, you are right, we shouldn't have talked about this series. Let's keep going. <laughs> H2K. That was H2K can't get anything going. That was uh, just I, I don't even know how to put it. It just was sad. It's it's easy. Yankos didn't get ahead of the early game. Not That's fair. it. That is the only tool that H2K have in their kit. And this is the thing that has made them so frustrating to me and why I'm dipping them a, a tier below. I, I have them very firmly in tier 2 right now with uh, with Splice, H2K, G2, and Misfits. I, right now I think Fnatic and Unicorns of Love are a tier above all of those other teams. Um, I, I think H2K is critically and uh, I, I, at this point I'm, I'm not sure how you, you fix the flaws that, that are, are here because it's a systemic flaw. It is integral to the way that they play the game and more importantly the way that they don't know how to fix the way they play the game. They have one strategy Snowball the early game, win the team fights because we're stronger than everybody else, close out the game in about 30 to 35 minutes. That's their plan. That has always been their plan. And last split, that worked a devastating effect because they were just better than everybody else. But you know what? This is a Fabivan that's getting solo killed now in lane every once from now every now and then, and too often for us to say that it's not happening. Like it like one time it's 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 like, oh, that's an outlier, but it's been happening multiple times. Uh, Nukeduck did it to him last week, and, and we saw Caps do it to him here. That's not a great sign uh, for what's supposed to be a top-tier mid laner, a guy who I've had on my second team last split. Um, uh, Oduwamne looks great. I, I want to give him credit for that. I, I've been impressed by his uh, his ability to control lane. Uh, he's being hard uh, ganked quite a bit. Teams are really focusing on keeping him down, and while he's been able to come back on champions like Fiora when he gets it, you know, against Fnatic, there wasn't much he could do. And honestly, like, I I look at Nuclear, and, you know, the stats aren't necessarily going to bear this out. Because stats-wise, he's still a top 580 carry. But it just looks like there are games which he's doing nothing. Just no real value to the team. He, he's cleaning up kills if the kills are coming in anyway. But he's not the one that's carrying out the lane. And you know how I know this, Walter? Last split, we knew hey, they were winning every single one of their lanes. That was what made H2K so great. Uh, nuclear, negative 26 gold differential at 10 minutes. Oduwamne, negative 91 gold differential at 10 minutes. Vibivan is actually winning his lane, which is kind of amazing, but he's roaming a little bit more than the others, so he can kind of make up for some of the deficiencies just in his own lane. But they're losing some of these cross-map battles, and, and Yankos is not getting ahead uh, on a consistent basis at all. So when you're at that point, well, how do you fix that? How, what do you do without just 
yeah. At this point, there's an argument here. Like, well, well, first of all, a friendly reminder that probably won coach of the split last split. A guy that did absolutely nothing to innovate and attack these problems head on. But while we both saw that coming, and now you have to ask, yeah, like, what what is this roster doing? What 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 are they going to be? They're going to be out in the first round again, the way they're playing right now. They they might be a top four team. They might finish fourth and then go to the gauntlet and fall out in a best of five against a team that really is fighting for that spot and has been playing sharper. I I don't know, man. Like. This is a team, like, they're all individually talented. If you told me individually, like, hey, would you like this guy to sign to Rock at? I would say yes to a lot of those names. I probably, maybe all of those names, except for Wadid, because I irrationally love him. He's my favorite random Korean. But, like, they're good players, and they could, they will be on LCS rosters, and they deserve to be on LCS rosters. But together, they do not look like a team. They look like a group of individuals that are all very talented to the extent that it hasn't mattered for a very large part of the regular season as all of last split. And now it does because now there are other really great teams. And, and the tier two teams in Europe have gotten better than they were last split. Even misfits who have problems and boy, do they have problems. They are better than they were last split. And, and I do want to say, I mean, I'm going all in on, on H2K. So I, I do want to say, as the resident defender of Misfits, because I dug that yeah, grave yeah, for no, myself. Let's, let's talk about Misfits, because the last two games this week, I don't think we're going to spend more than 30 seconds apiece on. So, yeah, let's let's talk about some Misfits. What what are your thoughts? Uh, because let's not forget that you did have Misfits over Fnatic in the preseason power rankings. And, I mean, uh, one of those opinions uh, feels silly. I had H2K over Fnatic. That's how bad That also feels silly. I and yeah, so look, I I made my mistakes, got nowhere to run, my life goes on as I'm fading away. Look, it's fine. I I understand this is a log season. I'm not willing to throw on the towel on this team yet. And you know what? Honestly, two out of three games in this series against Vitality, they took care of business. Uh, they looked like the team that I was impressed by when they beat Misfits in week three. And I do think uh, or, sorry, when they beat G2 in week three, excuse me. I do think that Misfits team is a very talented team. I think when Ignar is operating on all cylinders, he is one of the most dangerous supports in the league. There's a reason I had him first team all pro last split. When he's playing well, the team looks so much better. Han Sama is playing out of his mind right now. The reason we're not talking about Han Sama, 7.5 KDA, 70.6% kill participation, uh, 292.5 earned gold per minute. I, we would be talking about all these things, except for the fact that Reckless is so much better than any other AD carry in Europe. It kind of feels silly to talk about great AD carries, but Han Sama is a great AD carry. Power of Evil is a fantastic mid lane. Like, they, they have two really great lanes, and Alfari is getting better. Uh, he's not where I thought he was going to be when I made my preseason prediction. He's not there, and I will concede that point. But he is getting a little better every week. But here's the asterisk that comes with this, right? How do you lose game two to Vitality? It's just straight up, no, no, no beating around the bush, no punchline here. How do you lose that game? You're ahead by almost 10,000 gold by the end of... Well, no, not even... You can't just say it's a choke, because it's more than just a choke, because this team had gone... Two barons and five dragons and at least one elder, and I believe two. So it wasn't even that they choked. It was that when they had these massive advantages, they did nothing with it. Three, three barons and an elder. Three barons and an elder and five other dragons and the Rift Herald. Complete map control, which is, should be a positive. And I should be out here saying, look at how much they control the map. This is what a good team does. They control the map. How do you only take seven towers? You should have taken nine by accident. You didn't take a single in him with all of that. How? Literally how? How? You should not be so defensive in your playmaking with that amount of a lead that this is even mathematically possible. I'm not even talking just on a broad Chase, scale. Chase, just mathematically, those numbers don't add up. Here's the thing. It's a 50 three 54 minute game at a certain point 
A gold lead doesn't matter. No, I, I understand it that. It doesn't but matter. It how did it get to 54 it. minutes? At 35 minutes, there should have been two inhibs down with the lead that they had at 35 minutes. At 35 minutes, they had a, uh, a 2,500 gold lead. At 38, at 39 minutes, it was at 3,700. At 40 minutes, it was 4,000 gold. How did we get 14 more minutes from this? How? Uh, they I, were. They did not have a very good way to break the inhibitors. They did not have a good way to break the siege without putting people into really, really scary situations. They have Corky and they have Callista. They are short range 80 carries. And when you're playing up against a Rumble and an Oriana and an Oriana that has two very, very easy ways to get the ball into the middle of the enemy team, it is hard to break that base. And Vitality were not going out of their way to say, hey, let's venture out into our jungle and give, uh, give misfits a chance to pick one of us and make it that much easier to break in this was i thought a very good anti-siege job by vitality into a very poor sieging composition out of misfits in, in all honesty how does misfits break break that inhibitor how did they get in there they need to get a pick they need to kill someone outside out in the jungle out in the lanes and vitality just never gave them that chance well the answer is to be more proactive earlier in the game where you can make yes. advantage of the death timers and, and use the wave management better which i thought their wave management in this game was very poor and and ultimately i think that's what you know what, what held them back and let me be clear um, because Vitality fans, all three of you that supposedly exist, theoretically there are Vitality fans out there. I've never met one in the wild, but it's possible. Um, Nukeduck's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. Like, Nukeduck has played surprisingly well. I, I can see the shades of a guy that was once considered a great mid laner. He's not a great mid laner now, but he has, he has moments where he looks genuinely good. Um, and I don't want to take that away from him. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he played a good game. I thought he handled a uh, power of evil very well in that game, but like, I mean, there are so many things they should have been doing that would have made their lives so much easier, and they didn't do it. And that's, to me, an infuriating thing to watch: just the inability to understand how to play the map and use that macro strategy, because it doesn't matter if power of evil is really good, and if. You know, Maxor is getting him ahead the way that he's been able to do recently. And if Han Sam is able to carry the map, if you don't understand how to use the map effectively, you don't understand how to turn neutral objectives into immediate advantages, it's not going to matter. And guess what? Fnatic's not going to need 54 minutes to turn that fight against you. If the roles, if it was Fnatic in that spot, if it was G2 in that spot, yeah. if it was... I mean, any of these teams that we put in the second tier and above would have punished them even harder than Vitality did. So I I, I think overall, I, I'm happy with what Misfits have done as a team. I think that games like that are what keep me from saying, I believe in this team that they will continue to get better. I, I think they can. I think they have the potential to. I certainly think they have the talent to. But they need to be sharper and they need to be smarter. And those are things that are not easy fixes. It comes to kind of coaching, which Daku, we have questions surrounding him. I mean, you talked about not having, you know, having such short range into an anti-siege comp. Well, how did that happen, right? You know, how how did we have so many weird drafts, uh, you know, when we've talked about the EU playoffs, when they let Ken in through three times in a row? Uh, against Fnatic and, and so many other things that we could get into the nitty gritty of. So, so, you know, how's that coming along? How much faith do you want to have in that? How much faith do you have in uh, the shock calling aspect of it? Um, because it seems like these are flaws that we're seeing pop up. You know, we saw pop up last split in the playoffs and seem to be popping up now. I, it, they are big enough concerns to me that I have Misfits firmly sixth in my current power rankings, and. I think they need to beat a team like H2K to prove to, to earn their way up. I think they need this win. If H2K loses this week, they're still going to be H2K. They're still going to be incredibly mechanically talented. They'll have the week break off. They'll they'll come back and we'll still be just as scared of Yankos and the rest of them uh, when it comes back. Uh, if Misfits lose this week, I think uh, I think the claws that they, they currently have with that 4-1 uh, standing, I, I think will just fall out the window. I, I think they need this win. Uh, to keep the momentum that they have to keep uh, the kind of improvements, these steady improvements they've been making really cement that. So 
I, I can't wait to see the line for that. This is the series that I'm most interested to see where the line ends up because I could see it going in a thousand different directions. Um, I really want to watch the series. And I hope Misfits lives up to the team I thought they were in the preseason rather than the team that needed a lot of help in that game too. But games one and three were great. They, they have the potential to do it. They clearly have the talent to do it can't have games like that man i just it really that game stands out to me so much more than the two that they stopped i don't know it's I, tough no i think i think that's absolutely fair because it, it's the same thing we think about the rocket series and i bring up i think rocket played very well in game three and they won Break game it. three but everyone's stuck on the how did Fnatic lose game two how did Fnatic lose game two and i think we're very spoiled as viewers as analysts because we don't see 55 minute games that often we don't see teams get to that 50-plus minute mark where one team fight ends the game and we go, well, oh, how did they lose that? How, you know, how did Rocket win that game when they were down by so much? And we do. We just forget. And as many times as a, as a on-screen uh, analyst or announcer may say, like, oh, gold lead doesn't matter at this point. Everybody has six items. We still forget that afterwards. At 50 minutes, pretty much everyone but support has six items. And now it comes down to just the nitty-gritty of making one play or not making one play. And in all honesty, you can take two towers, an inhibitor, and challenge for winning the game and killing the Nexus at that point. It's very few times where a team has to go through an outer tower and an inner tower and, an, uh, you know, and the inhibitor tower and an inhibitor and then try to get the thing. And, so. and let's be clear here. Uh, Misfits didn't lose the game at the 54-minute mark. Misfits lost the game at the 40-minute mark when they hadn't taken the advantages that they'd gained by that point and turned it into real objectives, real map control, real pressure that would have forced, uh, you know, this Vitality team to, to deal with them and have to come out and take that fight that they probably would have won at that point. Mm -hmm. By the time he gets the six items on each team, the losses come from that problem. The fact that it got to that point, that the game is even this long. That's the problem. The problem with Fnatic isn't that they threw with that one fight it was how were they in a position where that fight was happening in the first place? And that's the thing that I think we need to, to really acknowledge with the analysis. It's, it's, not, it's not that ceiling moment. It's everything that happened before it and what should have happened instead uh, when a team had the lead that they did. So that's just something to, to keep very, in mind. Cause it's, I, 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 think that's, I think it's very easy to get caught up in that moment. I think you're absolutely very right. Very true. Uh, I don't want to get caught up in this moment. Last two games of the week, Mysterious Monkeys versus G2, Ninjas in Pajamas versus Unicorns of Love. Any reason for us to be surprised by anything that happens in these matches? Like, I, again, I am more than likely going to just watch the highlights of these. And because, like, yeah, G2 is not playing as well, but do we think that Mysterious Monkeys are going to do anything really funky? And, no. You know? I don't no, know, I mean, something up here or anything? I mean, I think Kickus will do something funky because he's Kickus. He's already pulled out Aatrox. This is just the beginning. Um, Shake on new deer, boys. Shake on new deer. Let's be clear. They have nothing to lose. So there's no reason not to. I, I think that ultimately what I, what I want to see is, you know, two things. One, uh, in Mis uh, Mysterious Monkeys versus G2, I want to see how these teams start to come together. Does G2 win this series because they're just better than Mysterious Monkeys and overpower them? I think that's an easy way to win. Or do they win because they're so much more intelligent? That would be something that we haven't seen them have a really intelligent win where they just get all these macro advantages. Like, you know, I would love to see a game where they win like with six kills to none and it was just pure tower takes and, and good rotations and good objective takes because they were smarter because their vision was sharper. Those are the things that I want them to see, and, and this is a perfect example. To, this is a perfect team to practice those on, because you can afford to make some mistakes, and you'll still be all right. But I, I want to see them get the fundamentals back in their game, because right now the fundamentals are lacking, despite the amazing amount of talent on that team. Uh, ninjas and pajamas versus, and, and, and for the record, mysterious monkeys. If they start gelling as a team at all, I don't expect them to this early. I think it'll take till after the break, when they have two weeks to play with Kick. Is it amazing? Um, without much time on the stage that'll really see benefits on that. Um, Ninjas Pajamas versus Unicorns of Love. Uh, Unicorns of Love, show me some fun pocket picks. Let's have fun with this. You know you're going to win. 
You know, this is a series that you win almost every time, and especially Ninjas and Pajamas are playing the exact playstyle that you feed on. You love when teams try to split push on you, because you'll send two or three people over there and kill that isolated player every single time. Which is, like, Ninjas and Pajamas are boned. Nah, like, play zero standard. Chance. Play standard. Play 100% standard. Play Oriana mid lane, play Shen top, play, like, Rek'Sai or Gragas jungle, and play, like, uh, Zaya Rakan bot lane. Like, play as utterly standard as you can. Play standard. Just stop them. Win in 25 minutes. I want to see a sub-20 minute game. Walter, they, they can win in 25 minutes without those things. The sub-20 minutes, I, I, I have watched the sub-20 minute game before, which was Ascension Gaming versus the I Gigabyte Marines. Yep, yeah, I we watched too. that together. Um, I don't think I need any more of those. Uh, that would be, oh, that those was a little so bit... fun. Was it, was so it fun? fun. I felt amazing. bad for Ascension by the end of that game. And I, I feel like I'm gonna be feeling bad for Ninjas and Pajamas by the end of this one. It's, it's, they have no chance. They have a negative chance. I think it is more likely that the game actually is canceled and is no longer able to be played than it is for the Ninjas and Pajamas to win. And there's a zero percent chance it's going to be canceled. There's no way that everything about the way ninjas and pajamas plays is built to be exploited by the unicorns of love. So do so. You know, you you want to see them play straight? Sure. I, I want to see them do weird things because that's when I enjoy watching the unicorns of love the most. And I think Sheepy is the most creative drafter. And I want to see. This is what I want to see. I want to see them go super creative, super weird picks against ninjas and pajamas. And then go straight picks in the rift uh, rift rivals. That's what I want to see. No, I want I them see... to share. No, no, no. I want them to share the crazy picks for rift rivals. That's when I want to see the wacko crazy picks against actual competition. Why would you waste a, a pocket pick, something that you've been practicing secretly in some you know crazy lab in a basement in Hamburg? Why would you unveil it and play it against the ninjas in pajamas when you could just play Oriana, Caitlyn, Thresh, and just have fun? And just crush it and be done in an hour and go back to your apartment, go back to your gaming house, you know, pull up a nice pint, watch the rest of the LCS and, you know, sit there and go, all right, now what are we going to do against TSM? Because the last time we played them, it was Jungle Twisted Fate. That's, you know, I, I understand where you're and coming from. I'm not from bitter that. about that one bit. Not uh, I, at all. I I have a lot of fond memories of that series. Will, you know, I, I, I understand I where you're coming from. Um, and I, I don't disagree. I just, I like watching them do weird stuff. So that's what I'll always do for, but you're probably right. It is probably best to save it, um, for Rift Rivals. Um, but honestly, I want to see Visit Chachi Shen just beat up on North American top lane straight up because I think he will. I think his Galio will beat up on people. I think the most terrifying thing that the Unicorns of Love can do at this point is not pull out weird pocket picks. We know. They're capable of weird pocket picks. I think the most terrifying thing that Unicorns of Love could do is head into that tournament, face everyone straight up, and beat them. Head-to-head, -head, no bullshit, no weird picks, just head-to-head, -head, we are better than you. And we're just going to prove it and brute force it and have everyone in Europe go, oh god, oh god, they're this good even without all of the stuff that makes us afraid of them. That's, I mean, to me, that would be fun as well. But, you know, it, Rift Rivals doesn't have as much on the line. There's nothing other than pride. And I think that the European fans want nothing more than to see them do weird, fun stuff at international events. So I think, I think they're going to do what you suggest. I just, I, I think both, both arguments make sense. Um, the only thing that doesn't make sense is anyone who would be silly enough to bet on the ninjas in pajamas because they're not going to win. It's going to be really bad. I, I feel badly for them, but it hasn't bucks, happened guys. yet. It's not even worth five bucks. Go get yourself a sub from Subway. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't bet five cents. That five cents could eventually add up to a whole stick of gum. A stick of gum would be far more valuable to me than the five cent bet on ninjas and pajamas. They're not going to win. Now you're just getting silly. But that being said, I hope you didn't think the show was silly. I hope you enjoyed everything. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, uh, we'll have an actual Just the Lines episode that'll come out either later today or uh, or tomorrow when you're watching this. Uh, that being said, this was a fun episode. I do enjoy when we disagree on some things and we, we get to go a little bit more in depth. And if you want to get more in-depth with us and the Rough Draft Show, you can go ahead, hit subscribe, follow along, uh, whether you're on SoundCloud or iTunes or right here on the YouTube channel. 
You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, at Rough Drafts Pod, and you can follow us individually on our personal Twitters. I'm at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, you can find me, as always, at Redshirt King. I love keeping these conversations going, guys. I actually just found out as we're recording this, both of my articles are up on LCS Predict. So we're going to put those in the description. And you know what? You guys asked for them in the comment section. I'm going to do some timestamps for you guys. I remembered about 20 minutes in, so I'm going to have to go back and get a couple of them. But overall, we, we want to do timestamps for you guys because, like you guys said, like, Time is, is of the essence, and we appreciate any time that you guys spend on our podcast. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate uh, – I want to give a shout-out to Kegel right now, uh, one of the guys in our Discord who made one of my favorite memes that I've ever seen of Chase's Dictionary uh, using the phrase, you're not wrong. Um, I, I, I think that we will probably put a link to that in the description. It's glorious. It's everything I ever hoped from when I started this podcast. I feel like a dream has come true. And uh, and I love every single one of you, uh, 300 subscribers. I really appreciate every single one of you guys. So shout out to you uh, and, and shout out to uh, many more podcasts to come, including two this week, because we still have to talk about the lines whenever they come out. <laughs> yes, that is true. I think the you're not wrong phrase has become very definitive of, uh, of this show and our relationship because it's that phrase Chase uses when, uh, when I make a good point, but he doesn't really want to admit I made a good point. So he kind of, you know, just puts it in the middle and just kind of says, yeah, you're, you're not wrong and kind of stares off into the distance while the world around him slowly crumbles. And he comes to the realization that I am the Guess the Lines World Heavyweight Champion and I will not let him take that title from me. So come back later in the week for our Just the Lines episode of week four of the 2017 Summer Split EU LCS and our North American episode. And then next week is going to be a little bit of a break from the normal LCS stuff. We will do something for Rift Rivals. Chase and I haven't talked about what we're doing yet. So we're probably going to hang up the call right now and, uh, and talk about that. So until next time, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts Podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter, at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com, backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com, backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com, backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Jazz Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at patreon.com backslash Pod and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening and goodbye, Internet.